What's up, everybody? Welcome to our first ever episode of Music Junkies Podcast. My name is Mario. And my name is Jake. And today we have an extensive interview with Travis St. John from the band Everest. Be sure to keep so listening. Mario. <laughs> so Mario, you want to tell them a little bit about what's going on? Uh, coronavirus. That's, the, that's what the fuck is going on. It's fucking ruining everything. Um, yes, it is, dude. It is ridiculous. Um, in San Francisco, where I'm working right now, uh, I guess they declared a state of emergency some time ago. Everywhere you are out there, people are wearing masks. Uh, uh, certain companies and jobs are actually telling their employees to stay home and not go into work. And unfortunately, I still got to go commute out there. I got to put myself <laughs> at risk for that. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I, I got an email that says we're not excusing you at all unless you have the coronavirus. <laughs> And if you don't, wow. you got to get your ass to fucking work. You got to make that fucking money for us. And I'm like, fuck. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I guess. man. In the beginning, I don't think anybody was taking that stuff seriously. You know, like it was a big ass joke. And now that there's not like a, again, I do know how the media is sometimes. And they like to focus in on something and blow it up. Yeah. But yeah, it's, it's scary, man. You, you guys have got to stay safe out there. You don't want to be putting yourselves at risk. Yeah, but with this coronavirus comes a lot of shutdowns. There's concert shutdowns. There's sports shutdowns. I'm standing. That'll take I'm, a huge hit on the music industry, man. You know, especially if they're going out there and that's how they make their money and way of life. Yeah, I mean, look at these touring bands. They're canceling all their tours. Imagine all the money they spent on, you know, promoting, on booking, on travel, all that. That's going down the drain because they don't have the capabilities of playing everything shut down there's bands in in europe that can't even come home because of the shutdown you know with this music shutdown i mean these bands are canceling everything their fans you know can't keep up and don't know what to do so i, I think it's really destroying the scene right now but i think Hopefully this blows over and hopefully we find, you know, a cure and people find a vaccine for people to be safe and then we could start start all over. Uh, the good yeah. thing is we have all these platforms like Instagram, Spotify, so bands could still promote their shit even without, you know, touring. So let's give a little bit of background on this uh we come from a band called here stands a messenger a small band in you from yuma arizona we played desert southwest parts of the west coast um never really got big per se but we had a lot of fun doing what we did though man and i think that's what yeah. the most important thing was yeah you know we met a lot of cool people, a lot of cool bands um, in the eyes of a mistress. That was one of the bands we got along with the greatest. Uh, they were cool. So many bands. Uh, I originally come from Ah Monsters and don't ask me who came up with that name because I won't answer that question. Um, we played you're gonna get asked you're gonna get asked man <laughs> i don't i don't want to tell <laughs> but i i think the music back then was the music scene back then was pretty pretty big um as opposed to today because i think today people are listening more to this uh 
mumble rap and rap and hip hop and stuff like that. But the scene wasn't that big before. So you could imagine, you know, how small it is now because it's gotten smaller since back then. People would listen to, I mean, I, the first band I listened to, rock band, was uh, The Killers. You know, I grew up in a Mexican home where all we listened to was Norteñas, Rancheras, Corridos, and shit like that. So The Killers being the first ever rock band that I came to like, you know, I started from the bottom at age Man. 12. You know what I mean? I don't know. What was the first band you listened to? Well, I mean, I'm pretty generic. My dad was a huge metalhead. He listened to bands like uh, like Metallica. You know, that's a big yeah. one. He he liked Megadeth, uh, Iron Maiden. So for me, growing up, little eight, nine-year-old Jake, you know, playing the guitar, That's those are the things I was learning. And it's actually fun. I would always steal my dad's guitar and he would get, and I mean, he'd be like, man, I'll tell you what, it's your own guitar. If you, uh, learn this tablature, sh he gave me a book and I took him up on the challenge and he had to go get me a guitar. And after that, you know, that's when I started doing that. But eventually I started getting more into heavier bands like, uh, Avenged Sevenfold, yeah. um, Asking Alexandria, they're, heavy but i like yeah and the thing about you is that you grew up with parents that listened to that shit you know so it was mm -hmm. it's a lot harder it was a lot harder as a poor mexican kid to start listening to fucking slayer and sh pantera and shit like that you know what i mean so bro i, I lived there on the border though closer to mexico than you're asking <laughs> i lived in mexico bro <laughs> oh shit you take the cake but yeah you know so i i think music has evolved though like crazy because now you're listening to bands that studio bands you know that just make music on their computers on their laptops whatever case may be uh, like like tool only releases an album every 20 years yeah i guess you could say that but what i'm talking about is the people that use these vsts and stuff like that and that's all they use and dude that's I'm, I'm actually not... popping well, I'm not I've saying it's, really... there's anything wrong with that. What I'm saying is that that's what you're seeing nowadays. It evolved from raw fucking music, raw amps. And just think, it's it's actually getting easier to make music at home, you know, and actually yeah. come up with these ideas. No? It, I mean, it is. I, But I, you would think that the, the scene would be saturated with rock bands. I mean, there are, there's a lot of bands. A lot of bands. But... It's not as saturated as it could be. And I feel like there's so many freaking good musicians out there that aren't really coming out and or getting that exposure that they know. Yeah. So I think So you think what? I don't know. I lost my train of thought. <laughs> uh all right. So I live in California, man. I'm sorry. <laughs> that gives no excuse. <laughs> So, bro, uh, do you think you could tell me what some of your inspirations were when you started getting into music? Well, to be quite honest, and I know it's going to sound kind of uh, a little gay, but Alessandro. It's only a little gay. Only, no homo. I said it. 
Uh, you know, Alessano was a pretty good band. I, I think, think. Alessano was the first band that influenced me to start screaming. Um, after I heard them, you know, it was that's all I wanted to listen to. You know, Hawthorne Heights, they had a little bit of screaming, and that was my first ever concert, Hawthorne Heights, by the way, in San Diego. Nice. Um, after Alessana, it was just like, oh my God, this is sounds so good. And they're pouring out so much emotion. You know, I was all mm. about emotion back then. I was little, uh, you know, my mom was sick. So all I wanted to do was release my emotions. And I feel like, screaming was the way to do it so you know i started listening to alessana then it got went to more heavy metal stuff and there was bring me the horizon when they were super heavy not like now mm -hmm. now they're playing some weird shit but bring me the horizon then there was all shall perish as blood runs black oh my god as blood runs black as had blood runs black best fucking riffs ever Okay, so my fears have become phobias is one of my favorite songs for yeah. the longest time, and Histoprin. Yeah, between the buried and me, uh, Paul Wagner, motherfucking best guitarist I've ever heard in my life. His fucking skills, uh, amazing. But I think starting starting off from rock all the way to metal was kind of what opened my eyes to everything so i don't just listen to rock i don't just listen to screamo i don't just listen to hardcore um i listen to a little bit of everything so growing up with a gangster ass brother that would bump tupac every day growing up with mexican ass parents that would bump Daniels all day and shit you know and then one of actually one of my brother's ex-girlfriends brought me on into the killers so there she was like oh you might like this man gave me a cd of hot fuzz you know what i mean so, but yeah, I think listening to them and then actually going to go see them at Vans Warped Tour. I think Vans Warped Tour was the best tool to find music. You know, Vans Warped Tour and MySpace. You know, you remember MySpace. MySpace. Yeah. I remember MySpace, man. <laughs> Everyone would upload everything on MySpace. You would fucking fix your profiles with HTML and shit like that. And it would just blow up and myspace would blow everyone up and it was it was an amazing tool that was a good digital platform and i like that we were able to put our music on there and actually have it showcase yeah that was one of my favorite things the only thing nowadays is spotify that's the only thing you could upload music to you you could show a small little clip on instagram of a music video or something or you could add your music to a picture but you can't fully promote a full song Facebook right. is Facebook isn't geared for musicians. Facebook is geared for pages. So I feel I, like Instagram could potentially be geared for it because there are a lot of people that play drums and, and for that are sponsored for like DW and, and, yeah. uh, and Jackson or like Mesa Boogie. Yeah. Yeah. But, hella. I mean, but there's nothing like MySpace was. Mm. Spotify is the only thing now. And even then, Spotify doesn't give you all the visuals like MySpace. MySpace did at the time, exactly. Know. But I mean, I think I think the scene is growing. And to answer your question, was Alessana was the thing that brought me into this scene? You know that we're talking about. Today. I can see that you have a very 
Your scream was pretty close to his. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, that, that's that's what I practiced, and that's the the only thing I wanted to do is I wanted to sound like the vocalist from Alasana. You know, I wanted to sing like him, but my voice is shit. <laughs> I think we should. Okay, so we actually did have a song that we wrote some time ago when we were in a band called De Amor. Because oh, yeah. obviously he and I have been in the music scene with each other for a while. Wait, which side are you on? This side or that? That's it. So that's that side, here. yeah. There you go. <laughs> okay, so you're over here. Okay, good. Awesome. So yeah, the that that song, I think, I think we could have done something good with that song, but I mean, maybe shit. we'll show them. We'll, we'll put it up later and, and let them listen to it. Yeah, I, I don't know. If Not you guys all are the ready. I don't know if you guys are ready for the whole thing. Maybe a little clip of it. Yeah, just just a, just a snippet. <laughs> but I think I think, you know, with everything there is now. Uh, I think we could have been very, very profitable and bands now are extremely profitable and they know how to market themselves because there's freaking SLRs that could record your music video in great 1080p. There's, you know, mic condenser microphones that are only 30 fucking dollars. There are 360 cams that you literally can put on a pole. It'll remove the pole and you can get whatever footage you want, man. Exactly. It's ridiculous. And you know, the time is... You know, we didn't have that shit back then. We were recording our fucking, trying to record a music video with a fucking cheap ass little digital camera that was all staticky when you were recording. You know what I mean? And we had to pay like fucking two hundred dollars for a condenser mic. You know, bands now have a lot of benefits, and I feel like if we were a band now, we we would have been able to market ourselves a lot better. Because you can't market yourself when you're recording <laughs> when you're recording like us in a fucking bedroom at nate's house shout out to nate uh fucking our shit was sounded like trash to be quite honest and i think with everything going on now we could have made good money we could have made good money but you know everything changes and you just got to adapt to it. And music, I think bands nowadays are adapting to it. Like Everest. Everest has a great social um, they social presence. And they've promoted themselves alone with no, you know, no real label. No real, you know, they do have some management, but they're not fully signed. So I think bands nowadays should market themselves and should look at what Everest is doing. Everest is marketing themselves amazing they're on instagram they're on facebook they're on twitter they're on all these sites and they're doing everything by themselves well i mean how many followers do they have i mean do you have like a rough ballpark estimate do you know i think they have about eight thousand followers eight thousand that yeah. is like uh <laughs> that's like seventy five hundred more people than we have <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we had no we had five hundred MySpace friends. That was our thing. Oh, yeah. That, okay. <laughs> so I was right. <laughs> you were close. You were close. Um, but, you know, bands like that, and there's a lot of up and coming artists, you know. And I've actually been hearing a lot of up and coming artists on Octane. Do you know what that is? I've heard of it. So why don't you jog my memory, especially for those of the viewers who don't? So Sirius XM Octane. So it's the satellite radio. You know, that you get when you buy a new car, you get a trial offer of fucking serious. And 
I've been listening to so many freaking bands, dude. So many. And they're all up and coming. They're new artists like Fire from the Gods, Crown the Empire, I Prevail. And I Prevail is actually in Germany. I, I Prevail. Believe. Yeah. They're fucking, they, their sound is really good. Um, so many good bands. And there's not that many platforms that are promoting it now like, like that. So I think if you're a new up and coming band, you want to get on that, you know, that platform and promote yourself as uh, best as possible. So, you know, we want to give Everest a chance um, to kind of tell us a little bit about how they're doing and what they're doing now. So we'll leave it to Travis. To let us know. All right. Well, I want to thank you for coming on the show. Um, I know it's been a crazy going crazy with everything going on right now, you know, with the coronavirus and shit, but uh, <laughs> fuck, man, everything's getting canceled. And how's everything in Austin going, going with the coronavirus and shit and with your music? Uh, well, right now, um, up until a couple of days ago, I didn't really think it was affecting us that badly. Um, but now... Here in Austin, South by Southwest has been canceled altogether, which is like a massive music festival. Um, and we were kind of bummed about that because that was going to be a lot of out-of-towners coming in town to see these shows. But um, it looks like the shows are still going and the people that live here and other people that really don't care or don't, aren't, aren't scared of it, they're, they're going to show up nonetheless. Yeah, I, I get that. I mean, you know, there's a, a lot of craze going on and, and there's just the people that are level-headed and they're like, I don't give a fuck. I'm going to go watch my band if I, you know, if I fucking want to. I'm a little bummed out they canceled a few shows out here, but um, how would you say the scene is in Austin? Um, it's, it's pretty decent. Honestly, uh, I'm from Atlanta, Georgia, and I'm honestly like... It, for Austin being the live music capital of the world for as long as it has been, I don't know if it's still considered the live music capital of the world, but it has been for many years. Um, I'm a little disappointed in the local rock scene here. It's almost like we make more money and have more fans in San Antonio, uh, Dallas, uh, Houston, El Paso, all of the cities outside of where we are. And it's kind of, it's interesting to me. But a lot of times they say that, uh, you know, your fan base isn't always where your hometown is. Yeah, that's so, all that, I mean, that's the case. I, I, I can understand that. And I'm not completely torn by it because uh, from the numbers that we see um, through Spotify and other other sites, I mean, we have huge fan bases in other cities that have no, we've never even played in. Yeah. And it's kind of encouraging because it makes us want to go and see those cities more than ever. You know, uh, number two, uh, it's like, it's like the, if you look at countries and stuff like that, um, the United States is our number one, of course. That, that makes sense. Yeah. But second is Germany. For some reason, it's Germany. And Germany is only about the, a third the size of Texas. So if we went and took a tour to Germany, 
and hit five cities in Germany, we'd make more money there than we would touring around Texas. And what are you waiting for? <laughs> uh, international travel. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Your band, your band for now. We were just talking about the coronavirus, right? Yeah. <laughs> so how did you guys get started as a band? I know you're, you said you're from Atlanta. So um, what brought you to Austin and how did you um, get hooked up with these guys? Uh, so these guys had nothing to do with my move, actually. Um, I moved from Atlanta. I was working in music out in Atlanta with a few dudes for numerous years, probably about three or four years. And, you know, I was recording on my own and stuff like that. And it wasn't until we met someone named Drew Folk, who is now a major recording or a producer uh, out in L.A., but at the time he lived in uh, North Carolina and we would go up and see, we would drive, like all of us had nine to five jobs in Atlanta and we, um, we would drive from Atlanta on Friday at six o'clock when we got off work and drive all night to get up there to North Carolina, stay the night in the studio and record Saturday and Sunday all day and record a single and then we would drive home all Sunday night and go back to work on Monday. That was pretty much how it went. And it wasn't until that time that I realized that this was something I could actually do. Uh, if it weren't for a small music scene, like a small local music scene, and seeing people do it, uh, I don't think I would have ever taken music seriously. Okay. And then... Uh... Uh, but, but, but then in, in regards to... Um, how I met these guys out here was I left Atlanta. I literally one night I had been working at a job for like seven years that I was making incredibly good money. There's really no reason that I should have left. I was climbing the ladder, you know, making great money, but I just knew I wasn't happy. Yeah. And I knew what I wanted to do was music. And so I remember I had a friend at the time that we just, we kind of lived together at the moment and we were like, you know, what are we doing? Let's leave. And so we literally texted our bosses that night and said, we're not coming in. We're moving to L.A. And so we moved to L.A. We literally drove, I think it was 62 hours from Atlanta to L.A. nonstop. Like I would sleep and he would drive and then he would sleep and I would drive. And we just went all the way to L.A., spent a few months out there. Um, and then we were there for three, four, five months. Uh, I was bartending there and, you know, living out there. And I just started to realize, I was like, I'm not meeting the musicians I want to out here. And two, I don't have the expandable income that I need to use to record music and make music. Like I'm literally working to just pay, pay rent. Yeah. Yeah. That's how it is in California. I mean, you can't. So I started can't make asking it. some of my like bartending friends out there what are you guys doing? Like, what, what's your plan? Like, how do you, how are y'all living? How are you surviving? And they were like, we're not. <laughs> and, and I was like, okay, what do you, what do you mean? Like you're not. And they were like, uh, well, we're moving to Austin, Texas. And for me being from Georgia, Atlanta, Georgia, and actually I grew up way South of Atlanta, like in the country. And like, I don't know if you can tell in my accent and stuff like that. A lot of people, a little bit by, yeah. by yeah. my accent, but like, they, uh, I, I remember when they told me they're moving to Austin, Texas, I was like, nope, 
Nope, nope. I'm not. I'm not trying to be around cows, <laughs> mosquitoes. I'm not trying to do that. And they were like, no, 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 no. Because at the time, I lived in Venice Beach, California. So it's all art and music and just a lot of energy and stuff like that. And you're on the beach, and I loved it. But it was just so expensive. Like it was incredibly expensive. So I, I was like, uh, they started trying to explain it to me, and they're like, look, just take a trip with us out there. If you don't like it, don't worry about it. So I took a trip out there and spent one week here in Austin. And I was like, this is it. I was like, this is it 100%. Like, this is where I want to be. This is the live. I had no idea it was the live music capital of the world. So I was like literally on every corner, on e at every bar, at every restaurant. I'm talking about even corporate restaurants like a Hooters or something like that. They have a live band playing. It, it blew my mind. It blew my mind completely. And I was like, this is where I need to be. I, this is where I'm going to find other musicians. Yes. And so I settled in. Got in a, I, Actually, I, uh, I lived out of my car for three months living in Austin. And, and it was in the middle of summer, middle of the heat. Oh, fuck. It was fucking gross. Yeah. The yeah. most disgusting, horrible thing ever. But I knew I wanted to be here. That's awesome. So I did it and I got a job and finally I got my own place. And shortly after that, I started meeting musicians and reaching out to people and stuff like that. And there was someone named uh, Justin Page who plays in a band named Colorblind here in Austin, Texas, who are also great friends with. And they're doing really well as well. Um, but I remember reaching out to him and being like, hey, man, do you want to start a band? And his response was, nope. <laughs> <laughs> and, he, and i was just like damn all right like that's cool but he was like but i might have some people that do and so he uh, i remember not long after that there was a guy named mason solomon that that reached out to me and was like hey man we're in this band called against the archaic um we're a metal band we've been doing things for about four years or so um and we want to try and go in a different direction. We want to try a new vocalist. We want to try to do something a little different. And so at the at first I was like, you know, I think uh, that's a great idea. And I was like, I was all into metal and hardcore myself. You know, like that's what I've done for the past however many years. I was just a screamer. That was it. Yeah. I just yelled really loud into a microphone. <laughs> and so uh, they were like, cool, so you can fit this bill. And I was like, cool. So I met them, hung out with them, talked business and stuff. And then we went, we, we decided to go to the studio um, that they had been, been recording at out in uh, Houston, Texas. It was Robbie Joyner at Black Book Sound. And so we went out there uh, not having a whole lot of ideas. I think at the time we were like, you know, we want to sound like architects meets Bring Me the Horizon meets this and that and the other and we were like this is what we want to sound like and so our producer was like cool all right whatever and we started laying down these tracks and we were like that just doesn't, doesn't sound like work. anything <laughs> it just doesn't work it's not sounding good yeah. and so he was like he he sat us down robbie our producer and uh he was like guys let's just make music that feels good let's make your own sound let's just and and he was the one that really helped us hone in on what was us and i remember the first time we were there we wrote like three songs and i remember listening to them back to back to back 
and they were so stylistically different that I was like, this sounds like three different bands. How is this going to work? Like, this isn't good. But then we recorded approximately, you know, 10 other tracks or, you know, however many more. And then we started to listen to them and we were like, oh, this, this is work. what our sound yeah, is. This yeah. is, this is this us. Is it. <laughs> this, this is us. And we can, we can fit a broad spectrum. Yeah. So we can do pop rock. We can do heavy rock. We can do something that has a little bit more hardcore metal in it. We can do things that have more punk in it. Like, and we were, and we started realizing we were like, let's just be a rock band. That's it. Yeah. And like not put any limitations on ourselves. And that's when we started to become what we are today. Yeah. Cause you guys have uh, the screaming, uh, what song has screaming? Um, I was listening to it. I've been, I've been streaming your guys' music. Yeah, all Black week. Is, yeah, Black Eyes is a little bit of screaming. One of the heaviest songs that we've released so far. Yeah, and it's actually like one of our most popular songs, which is funny because it's like when you go more mainstream, you would think that you would get more credibility in that in that genre. And they're not far behind. Don't get me wrong. Like the other songs that we've done still have that like hardcore and metal, salt and pepper. And yeah, the riffs and it's stuff like, like that. Yeah, it, we still have that essence. But we decided to go in a more mainstream direction. How, how do you think it's working out for you? Do you think you it's fantastic? Yeah. It's better than anything that I've ever done in my life. And I think all the guys agree. That's why they allowed me. I was like, hey, guys, you want to be here for this inter interview? And they were like, you got this. You, you could do this, yeah. Now, yeah. I mean, if playing the more mainstream kind of sound, but still having your, your metal riffs, you, it allows you to play with, you know, tour with a lot of different bands and get your name it, out there. It with, broadens you know. our spectrum so much. And the only thing that I can say is that we want to write more music so that let's say that we go on a bill with where we're, where a headliner band is all metal. We'll play more metal songs during yeah. those sets. Uh, if we go on a, on a bill where they're more pop rock, we play more pop rock songs. Yeah. Uh, and every, everything in between. And, and we'll still mix it up. It's not like we're only going to play pop at a pop show or, or play rock, like metal at a metal show. We're still going to be you're, you're, you, have, you have to mix it up. I but, mean, you, you, can't, you have to be want, true to your sound. Right, but we want to show people that we are very diverse. Yeah. And is, there are no limitations. And something that we love so much hearing and it's like it's it's almost like mind-blowing to hear it is all the time we get man you guys sound like a lot like lincoln park did or whatever and i'm like one that's the greatest compliment oh, yeah. i could ever <laughs> hear in my life and two i'm like you know that's great because they did everything yeah. they didn't they didn't stick to one genre there was no they limits said, to park. pop songs we want to do some heavy rock songs we don't want to do some hardcore songs we want to do some stuff that will never make it to the radio. Yeah. They didn't care. They just did it all. And they put it all on one album, you know? And that's exactly what we want to do. That's awesome. So who, who would you say is the best band you guys have played with? Your best show? Um, you know, honestly, I mean, it, it, it kind of depends on what you define best as. Uh, are you talking about most profitable or... I know. I, I mean, I mean, when you're when you're a musician, you're doing it more for the love. Let's say, what is the like the best feedback you've gotten from your, um, you know, spectators and shit? Well, let me start by saying that the most profitable shows that we do are shows that we headline ourselves, and we have other 
local bands come out and bring their friends too and like stuff yeah. like that. Th those are the most profitable in terms of love and like meeting new people that have never heard of us before. We've opened for uh, We Came as Romans, Bless the Fall, Crown the Empire, um, Slaves. Uh, I'm drawing a blank on some of these, but there were quite a few others that I'm proud of, you know, like yeah. we've that we've opened for. And uh, that's all all to thanks to Anthony, the owner of Come and Take It Live. He like took an interest in us and Come and Take It Live is the home venue here in Austin that usually has a lot of those big bills come through. Um, and he took interest in us and he, uh, he, almost, he hits us up for almost every big bill that comes through and he says, I want you guys to open for this. And we love that and we appreciate that and we never take that as like a, a diss because it's like, we would never be able to play in front of all those people if it weren't for those bigger bands. So yeah. yes, thank, thank you. Like we'll, we'll take anyone that's bigger than us. It doesn't even matter if they're 10 times heavier than us. And literally people, we've never had it happen by the way, but even if people boot us off stage because they want to see something heavy, you know, like we don't care. It's just, we're putting ourselves in front of new people that have never heard of us. Yeah. And that's yeah. the greatest thing that any band can do that's starting where we are <laughs> so i was looking for you guys on facebook and you guys um do you guys have a presence on facebook or what social media um websites do you guys facebook use the most is one of the most challenging things to grow um i in in my uh in my opinion and i think in our band's opinion um instagram it's a lot easier. Okay, the the most difficult to grow is Twitter. I don't even have my own personal Twitter. Um, we just made a band Twitter just because we felt like we had to. That's Everyone. the most difficult to grow. Um, then secondly, it's Facebook. That's very hard to grow. Instagram is visual. It's visually stimulating. So like posting snippets of music videos and other things like that. It's easier to grow that. And then... The thing that we love the most right now is Spotify. Yeah. Spotify is the greatest tool to any independent musician out there right now at the moment. 100% hands down. Apple Music doesn't touch it. Yeah. Deezer doesn't touch it. All these other music distributors do not touch Spotify at all. Well, back in the day, it was MySpace. Hey, I wish we could go back to those days. Right? MySpace, where you okay. use your code, you design your layout. Other, what was the other thing? It was like uh, there was a there was like a website for like where you just looked up bands. Um, what was it? What was it called? I can't even remember. It wasn't Bandcamp. It was like Reverb Nation. No, that was one of them, but. No, it wasn't LimeWire. Uh, no. <laughs> no, it was literally a page where you just looked up new bands and they only put their music on there. Man, this is showing my age right now, for sure, because this is before, this is around the time of MySpace. And I remember this is how I found all my new bands. Yeah. Um, and... If I find it, we'll thread it in the uh, in anything that we can or, you know, I'll, <laughs> all right. I'll figure good. it out for you. So... We're talking about digital platforms. Now let's talk about uh, physical platforms like, uh, let's say, Vance Warped Tour. 
you know, what, what other platforms did you have growing up that, you know, led you to the scene itself? Um, I mean, Vans Warped Tour was for sure like a huge influence for me and I'm sure for the rest of the band as well. Um, I remember when I was like 14, 15 years old, I went and saw the used live uh, at the masquerade in Atlanta, which is, is now been completely knocked down and reconstructed RIP masquerade in Atlanta. <laughs> that was the spot. That was the hometown. Um, but I remember seeing, I remember being so young and so vulnerable and so like watching this. And I was like up front on the stage and seeing the used play songs that I listened to religiously, you know, like, yeah. and like the lead vocalist was just like screaming and singing and blood was pouring down his nose into his mouth and he's just giving it his all. And I remember looking at that and being like, I want nothing more. Then and it, was just, on that, it yeah. was just, it was just what I wanted from a very young age. I don't, and but I never but at the same time, like I said, I never took it seriously until my 20s. Uh, I didn't see it as a possibility. I thought it was larger than life. Yeah. Until I met like someone like Drew Falk, who showed me that you could do this. You have the, you have the capabilities, you have the skills. You just have to have the persistence. And what's uh, what's your guys's creative process when you guys are writing? Like, what do you uh, guys usually do? Neil Hamden, our guitarist. He is the brains of the family. Don't let that go unheard. Um, he is the fucking man. Um, he, he does a majority of our writing. I mean, I'm not to say that like Mason, our other guitarist, or Chris, our bassist, or Justin, our drummer, don't have any input, but he usually constructs the loose bones of every song, sends them to me, I try to write as much vocals as I can. And I work with like our producer and other people like that um, to construct like the best vocal melodies and, and stuff like that, that I can. Um, but yeah, I mean, without, without Neil, uh, we wouldn't be a band. I mean, every band has their mastermind, you know, it, right. they give you the bones. This is the skeleton. This is what you're going to use. And then everyone adds their, you know, their funk and their melodies and right. that's what and makes that a song. That is essentially how it happens. He writes the bones, then everybody else gives their little pizzazz. Yeah, that's awesome. And what do you guys, what are you hoping for the future and what do you have planned out now? What are your goals? We're becoming, we're like, we're becoming more independent. Um, we're, we're less worried about managers. We're less worried about labels. We're less worried about uh, videographers and stuff like that because the last music video that we just released, Gravity, we filmed that music video ourselves. So, That's like, badass. we had no idea that we were going to be able to do that. Yeah. We just, we uh, were on tour. Um, we left New Mexico, Albuquerque, I believe, um, and we had played a show there, and they uh, let us leave the show around midnight, and we packed up, and we were like, okay, we got about an eight-hour drive to, uh, it's not Phoenix, Arizona, but it's somewhere else in Arizona. Tempe? The huh? Tempe? No. 
Scottsdale, Flagstaff. Flagstaff, you got there it. There you go. All right, yeah. Flagstaff. So, okay, so get it this way. I leave the show. I pass out. I'm, I'm exhausted. I go to sleep. Mason is just wired. He's our other guitarist, and he's just like, I'm just going to drive as far as I can, and then I'll pull over, and, and then we'll sleep for the rest of the night. Well, I wake up, and it's like 10 a.m., so we've been driving for somewhere around eight, nine, ten hours. And everybody wakes me up. Hey, wake up, wake up, wake up. Look outside. And I'm like, where the fuck are we, dude? We're <laughs> on top of a mountain and it's snowing. And we were just in Albuquerque, New Mexico, where it was 75 degrees. Yeah. How did we just drive eight hours and end up in, in snow? Like, it's literally snowing. It's not just snow on the ground. Like, it's snowing hard. Yeah. And so we were like, what the fuck? This is cool. So we, we just kind of got out and explored, you know, just to hike around and just, just for the fun of it. We were like, we're there. Our load in's not for another like eight hours, you know, like we're good. We'll, we'll load in and play the show tonight. We're like 30 minutes up the road from the venue. We're like, let's just explore. So we get back and we're like, okay, it's about time for load in. It's like four or two, three o'clock, something like that. Load in's at four. We're like, okay, let's go ahead and, uh, uh, get ready to drive to the venue and load in. So we start the bus up. And we start the bus up. <laughs> and we start the bus up. And it's just not starting. So we're like, okay, something's wrong here. Turns out it's the alternator. <clears throat> Turns out there's a blizzard on the way. <laughs> oh, fuck. Um, so it's snowing nonstop. We, we can almost barely see in front of our face. Um and we're like, dude, what do we do? We have a bus with a trailer towing all of our equipment. That's tons of, that's so much weight. There's no one that can tow us to a mechanic right now. So we have to call a mobile mechanic that basically, <laughs> he's like, hey, man, I can be there in like six hours. And we're like, dude, we have to go in like four or five, you know? We were like, dude, if you can make it in like three or four, we would be so grateful and we'll pay you extra. You know, like we'll do anything. And we had, we had already realized at that time it was the alternator. Yeah. We knew what it was. Justin is pretty, uh, our drummer, he uh, is pretty car savvy uh, or automobile savvy, I guess you would say. <laughs> he, knew, he knew what was going on. I'm just standing there like, I don't know, it's not working. You know, like, yeah. Uh, so he knew what was going on and he was able to communicate with. Um, and we were able to coax him into being there way earlier than he was supposed to. So he gets there, he puts a new alternator in our van, and we're like, sick, we're going to like be able to make it to our show and all this stuff like that. Um, but prior to that, we had a three-hour wait, and we were like, well, for this three hours, what are we going to do? And we were like, well, let's just try to film a music video. We're like, you have a nice camera. Let's just try it. We're like, we, we don't know what we're doing, but yeah. like, let's, let's just give it a shot. So we filmed each individual part in different parts of the mountain and put it all together. And we had our friend uh, Alex. Uh, his his uh, company is called Black Wolf Imaging. He edited it. So he may he may have made that look better than it was, but he did a great job. Hey, that, that, that's amazing. 
So uh, shout out to Alex for that. That was that was really really cool. But um, yeah, so in that three hours, we were just shooting a music video. We were frozen. Our feet were frozen solid because we're not wearing like boots. Yeah, you're not wearing snow boots. You're not prepared for that like, shit. Like our bassist Chris is wearing Converse out there with like no socks, and his feet are like frozen. <laughs> we're like, dude, you're gonna get frost. You know, like Antonio Brown type shit. <laughs> yeah. So we filmed that. We get back in the van. We're still waiting for like an hour for the um, mechanic to get there. We luckily convinced like a pizza pop papa john's driver to drive a pizza just to like where we're stranded <laughs> and he does it we I, we got so lucky there we ate ate some pizza we're all like trying to huddle up under blankets and like change our clothes so that we're wet and cold and we called the venue owner we're like we're a little bit still want to show so the the guy gets there he changes our alternator and we were like cool we're gonna make it we're like 30 minutes before showtime and he's like, oh, man, it looks like the alternator they gave. So it was good enough of an alternator to get us driven up the road to another place where another free. And he replaces it again, which took about another hour. So we literally have to go straight from there once we get it done. Also, shout out to this guy that, that did uh, the, all the repairs on our, our bus. Because he did it for about half the price. Goddamn. Because he knew what kind of predicament we were in. Yeah. He literally did it for a, a little bit more, barely more than what the, the part cost. Goddamn. And he just hooked it up. He just straight up hooked it up for us. And we pull up to the venue, and they're like, yeah, the band before you that was going to go on, they're on now. So get ready, load in. We just load in, no sound. No sound check, check just straight no up. No sound check, just play the show. Great show. Fuck and then it. we're on our merry way. So you that gotta, was kind of a, a crazy thing. Yeah, you got to do what you got to do. Yeah. So I what, don't know if that answered your question. I probably got off on some weird tangent that like... Hey, no, that, that was a badass answer. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you, with all the te technological advances now, like you could do... A band could succeed without the need of management and without the need of all this money i mean you could get a condenser mic for 30 bucks off of amazon so do you think you're gonna need a uh, management at uh, some point so, so i mean we have a manager that we are working with currently and he is a great person he's he's awesome but uh we are under no contract with him or anything like that it's all basically by what he can do for us we pay him for what he can do for us like and, and vice versa, you know. Um, but we are in, in, under no contract. Um, and I think recently we've decided that we're not that concerned about a label. We're not that concerned about management. The one thing that would be the most, the golden goose is a booking agent. Someone who can get you on big tour. That's it. And I think that's the scary thing for the music industry and labels and managers. Because of social media and spotify and the way that everything is digitally nowadays there's a much less need for these labels and managers and stuff like that unless they have something incredible to offer. if you know how to do it yourself like each one of us in the band has our own role so uh we all specifically take that role very seriously and Mason has done a lot of our booking himself. 
done a great job. I mean, we've had some rough times, but that's to be expected, you know. So he's done a wonderful job, and um, you know, it's it's been a a big learning experience for all of us, you know. Uh, and not to say that we would never take the acceptance of or, or a handout from a label or never take the handout from from management, but we are just realizing our own self worth uh, in comparison to what a lot of people just think that if oh we got a manager now oh we got a fucking label now yeah. fuck both of those if they're not giving you anything extra and they're just taking money from you what do you need them for yeah yeah that makes sense i mean that you could that may get be so stepping far. on some toes but i just feel like yeah. it needs to be <laughs> like you know that there's even uh i don't i don't follow hip-hop or rap too much but i think the game uh, the rapper of the game even tweeted not too long ago, and I just came across it, stumbled across it somehow, and he was just ranting and raving about labels, stealing these young artists' money and, like, taking everything from them and taking advantage of them. He can't believe that he fell into that so long. He's like, own the rights to your music. Own this. Own that. Do it on your own. Grind. Do it by yourself. And then if somebody wants to hand you a chunk of change and it seems worth it, Take it. Yeah. But until then, don't just sign over your rights. Don't sign over everything and give, every, give everything to whoever. Yeah, because people think, you know, oh, shit, a label, I'm going to be fucking rich. That's not always the case. You know, That's they, they, not how it works. Yeah. Actually, a lot of times you're a lot worse off than you were. Yeah. So do you think if you were and, to get on? A lot of times what it means is that the only way for that band to make money is to tour nonstop. 100% on the road. And as much as I love traveling, and as much as I love touring, I don't want to be on the road 24-7. Yeah. I have a home life. I have things that I want to do at home. I have people that I want to be around at home, you know? That's not something that I want to... I, I just don't want to be on the road 24-7 just to be able to make a paycheck. Yeah. And do you think if... You think if uh, they offered you a tour right now, I mean, of course, after this whole fucking coronavirus shit goes away, do you think if they offered you a tour, you would be able to go up and leave and go on tour for like three months or so? Oh, yeah. I think all of us are in the mindset that the band comes first. We all have jobs. We all have apartments and houses of our own. We have bills to pay. But I think that we're all willing to make the sacrifice that it takes to do what we need to do. Um, we're not, if, the, if a big enough opportunity comes up, we will all quit our jobs and drive for Uber and Lyft day and night for as many days and nights as it takes to make the money to pay our bills for two months. Yeah. You know, like that's kind of how we, we, our mindset is, or like for me, bartending, my bartender, like I'll, I'll bartend as many nights as I can prior to and stack that money so that I'm good for two months, you know? Yeah. And just basically everybody knows that if we get the heads up, we're going to be gone for a month or two. Okay. It's time to get to work because yes, that money will be coming in somewhat on tour, but we like to recycle that money instead yeah. of give it to each other. Like if we made $10,000 on a two month tour, we're not going to split that 2000 each. We're going to use that 10000 to reuse it for marketing 
and other things like that to grow our brand and grow our band, you know? Um, I think it's kind of ignorant for a lot of people to say that, oh, I'm going to spend this much on the song recording, this much on the mixing and mastering, this much on the music video, and then this much uh, on just like pictures and photos and stuff like that, and then I'm done, right? No. You have to pay, you have to market your your material yeah. or else nobody's going to see it. It's a business. And that's, I think that's the biggest thing that, that people are missing out on these days is that they're not using the same amount of money that they make the product as to get it in front of people. Yeah. And it drives me nuts. And so that's why, like, lately for myself, I've, I've made it a side hustle of myself for anybody that I come up with is, has potential or could potentially be successful. I reach out to them. I'm like, hey, do you use it? I've, I'm not super, super experienced. I'm not going to lie. Like, like I have all the experience in the world, but I know enough to where I can blow you guys 10 times what you are, right? You know, and a lot of people are just happy, stagnant, nothing. And I can't stand that. I'm like, you spent so much money, so much time, so much effort. Why not? Spend the money on getting it to people. Yeah, marketing you yourself. Know? Yeah, right. What's your track list looking like? Do you have uh, a good amount of songs you do at, at a show? Uh, we typically do a five-song set. Uh, we're looking at adding a six to it very soon. I mean, it's kind of funny. Like we're doing right now, and with only five songs, and ridiculous to be honest. You know, cool, but like that's all we've you know released essentially, and that's all we want. We do have a stockpile of other songs that we have not released, but the way that we feel, we'd rather people just get to know what we have, they should know, and then keep these going in turn. At the time, it's just going to be one by one. I think single by single is just fine. I've had a lot of people ask why do we do that? You know, there's a lot of reasons. We have a, an entertainment attorney named Plagsmuth. That's what he swears by. He says that's the way to go. Hold on, you're cutting, you're cutting off a little bit. Give me one second. I'm gonna close this door real quick. Yeah, you're fine. There's a little bit of feedback. I couldn't hear you very well. Okay. I think the last thing I heard was single by single. Okay. So, um, yeah, I think. Right now, our mindset is more of like a single by single type deal. Um, we're not necessarily, I mean, we would love to, but I feel like until a label reaches out to us and give us funding duo, rather drop single by single and keep fans interested month by month. Or 
yeah, it it's cutting off. I I think we're gonna have to cut this a little short. Okay. All right. Let let me hang up real quick, and I'm gonna call you back. See if that works right. a little bit. Right. Yeah, that sounds good. Um, you can hear me loud and clear? Yeah, it's not cutting off, so hopefully it lasts a little. Uh, so, are you planning on releasing an album soon, or are you going to stay with this uh, single, single by single? I mean, we would love to release an album. Um, but I think that all depends on popular demand. Um, it really depends on... I mean, you have to think about bands and budgets and like the quality that we're putting out. It's not cheap enough to put out a full length album right now from scratch um, to where we can all sit in the studio for a month and just release a full length album. That's just not something I think we can do right now. So our thing is going back to the studio every month or every two months and recording one or two songs more and stockpiling them and just being ready for the next release. We try to, we, I think our goal for this next year is to release a song every two months, three max, you know, so that we can, I, I think that's better too because it keeps people interested Yeah. Um, as compared to, like I said, just dropping the full load right then and then people forget about it four months later because they've listened to it all. It's like Netflix. You, you binge watch and then you get bored yeah. after a while and you can't do anything exactly. else. Yeah. It's like, okay, I, I love binge watching just as much as the next person. So I understand the purpose yeah. of an album. And I want to do it so bad. But you also have to understand that a, an artist that is unsigned can't, I mean, and they can afford uh, writing a full album. But you have to, you have to think about the quality and the money that it takes for that quality. We could go to someone right now and probably record a full album for $5,000, and that'd be great. But it's not going to be what you've heard from us. Yeah. You guys want to release quality over quantity right now. Yeah, exactly. And that's very much so more important than us for us. And also, I think that we live in such a day and age that uh, visual stimulation is such a big thing that a song without a music video is, I'm not going to say it's irrelevant. It's, it's not irrelevant. We've done it before. We, one of our bit, actually our biggest song <laughs> is blackout and we never released a music video, uh, music video for it. Yeah. So I can't say that solely, but I think it's cool that people can latch onto the music and also see what's going on, see the personality of the band, see, relate to those people or, or you know it's, it's visual we are so visually stimulated this day and age it's like you know um i i just feel like that's our best bet right now is to continue releasing single by single as many music videos as we can and just getting ourselves out there and i think that proves more to our audience as well as labels that we are independent and we are going to remain independent as long as we can until we are given a reasonable offer. Yeah. And you guys got any good shows coming up? Any Anything, you know, in, in the works? Yeah, that was something that um, we were a little bit upset about with uh, this whole coronavirus 
uh, South by Southwest thing. Yeah. South by Southwest was canceled last week. That's one of the biggest festivals in the U.S., music festival-wise, and it's been completely canceled. But a lot of those shows are still going on, and one of those happens to be ours. We're, we're still playing it. It's going to be on the 19th of this month. Um, and there's probably, I think there's somewhere around eight to ten other bands playing it. Uh, and they're doing free beer for your entry and stuff like that. And I think it's going to be a good time. As long as people come out and have a good time, like, I think it'll still be a good show. Yeah. You got you yeah. got anything, any tours planned? Any small tours at least? I, I know you guys... At the moment, do. no. We are in the works with the, the person that I told you that we are working with management wise he's always like working on getting us on some tours and stuff like that but nothing has been confirmed yet so we don't know of anything at the moment uh that's coming up in the near future i think that the focus not to say that we won't tour this year not to say that we won't take any opportunity that's given but i think that we're more focused on writing as much music and releasing as much music as we can uh, with quality in the next year than anything and just growing our fan base. Yeah. That's more important to us than touring because it's very, very upsetting to, you know, put in all the work, put in all the miles and like, you know, get to a show where you think there's going to be a big turnout and 20 people show up. Yeah, I'm sure every musician can relate. You know, <laughs> yeah. like every musician can relate. That's such a disheartening thing. And then the fact that you still have to act like that crowd is full of five thousand people, and you yeah. have to give it your all. Yeah. It's something that you. I I am honestly grateful for it because it's very humbling as an experience, and that's new to me. Um, I've never been a vocalist of a band prior to this. Um, and I've never had to, actually, I've never played a lot of, like, other than local bands when I was, like, really young, yeah. you know, played it, like, in front of, like, all your friends and stuff like that. <laughs> um, I've never been to where I had to play shows where sometimes it'll be 500 people and sometimes it'll be five people. You know, there's, you never know when you walk into the venue, and it's even funnier when, you can walk into a venue and you're like, oh, there's 500 people here and you you make decent money and the next show there's only 60 people there but you make, make more money yeah, there. Yeah, make great money. <laughs> because those people are so happy to see you. Yeah. You know, like, there's no telling but, you know, um, I think touring for us, uh, we def we're not putting that out of the picture. Um, we want to tour. We want to be an active uh, rock band. Uh, we don't want to just be a studio rock band. But I think that what we're realizing is that the more that you are able to grow your your presence on something like Spotify, Apple Music, uh, YouTube, um, Instagram, Facebook, those things, the easier it is to pull those crowds to when you do tour. So we're focusing a lot more on that so that when we do decide to really go on tour again, either A, we're going to be opening for someone who's way bigger than us. So already there'll be a crowd there yeah. or B 
we have put in the footwork and we make sure that we can pull our own crowds in every city and not depend on just the local talent because it's kind of disheartening when you have local talent um i guess like you you would think like if, if you go three cities away and you have four local bands on the bill and you're the headliner okay you're you're the big name on the bill okay um you would think that those four bands would sell five tickets each, just five tickets. That's it. You know, to their five friends and you would have at least 20 people in the audience. And it's, it amazes me that these bands don't do that. A lot of these bands don't do that. They literally expect you to bring the whole crowd to them. And that's just not how it works when you're at this level. Yeah. I understand if we were a band that was on a label that was, you know, constantly that, touring and shit like that. Yeah. yeah. And they were opening for us. Then they're like, yeah, we're going to. But even still, when we know that there's a band like Crown the Empire or We Came as Romans or Bless the Fall or Slaves or whoever coming play and we're opening for them, we're pushing those tickets. Oh, yeah. We pushed the hell out of those tickets. And. A lot of bands, I don't think they understand that hustle. They don't understand that hustle. And a, the even more disheartening thing is if a local band plays their set and then before you, and then they pack up and they leave, and you're like, yeah. you have zero <laughs> fucking oh. respect, zero fucking respect for the industry. Yeah. And if you think that for a second you'll ever be booked again under us, Hell no. I'm sorry. Yeah. You lost it. It's so disrespectful. It's so disrespectful. Because you're trying to bring in the crowd and they they should act as a crowd. They should help you, you know, bring the vibe down. But if they leave instantly, you're losing half your crowd there. I mean, if it's not even a break city. up. This yeah. is their city. It's yeah. not our city. You're the ones who are supposed to bring the people up. You, you know? You know, back so in the I, day. What we, what we realized from that, it was great. We played all these venues. Some were great. Some were horrible. Nightmare horrible. Some were fantastic. But I think what we learned from that was we want to make sure that we have such a big presence before we go on a bigger tour like that anymore that we're not worried about whether those local bands pull or not. Yeah. We're You're going to pull regardless. Stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's what we're focusing on, I think, this year. So, and like I said, yeah, if something huge comes along, we're going to take it, you know? Um, but at the moment, no, nothing is lined up. Who's your dream band to tour with? Man. <laughs> There's so many. <laughs> I mean, it's super... I guess cliche or whatever for me to say it, but playing opening for someone like Bring Me the Horizon, opening for someone like Lincoln Park. Oh my fuck. Like, <laughs> oh my, like, yeah. I can't even imagine. Like, I remember I went a long time ago just, just to go. I'm not even a huge fan, but I just went to go. I was back in Atlanta and I went to go see. 30 Seconds to Mars and The Muse, okay? That was it. That's all I cared about. I didn't know anything more than the show. And guess who opened the show? Who? Paris. And they opened the show, and I was like, how the fuck did they get on that bill? 
you know, but they were opening that and I was like, that's amazing. That is amazing. That's incredible. Um, and more power to them. That, that was awesome for them to do that. Um, and, and that's kind of how I want to look at it. It's just like any opportunity we get, we'll take it. I don't care if we even fit in their genre. We'll make it work. Whatever, whatever it takes, you know? Yeah. yeah. If you get butts in the seats, we'll, we'll make at least 10% of those people our fans. Yeah. That's the yeah. goal. So, uh, Gravity, what would you say was your inspiration when you wrote that? <laughs> um, it's funny. That was the, act the first song we ever wrote. And the last um, one released? Yeah. It's the funny how that works right yeah <laughs> uh, yeah but um, that was the first song we ever wrote and I remember being in the studio trying to derive inspiration for things and uh, we decided as a band to sit down one night and just watch the movie Interstellar okay yeah. and we just loved that movie so much after we watched it we were like let's kind of write something like that and we did, and we did it off of gravity and like being pulled away from someone by, by that gravity, being stuck in a black hole and blah, blah, blah. But it, what it turned into more was more about like a love song about someone being torn apart or not being able to be with someone that they love. Yeah. And I love how it turned out. You know? yeah, I had badass. Like we derove it from that, but it turned into something. It turned into something else, yeah. Yeah. All right. So it was it was kind of a kind of a cool concept that we started with and ended on a different note. Yeah, I think that's everything I have for you. Um, I do want to give you a chance to uh, reach out to your fans and let them know, you know, how you feel. Uh, anything you want to say to them? Yeah, like I'm literally 100% blown away by the response that we've gotten. Uh, you know, I never thought for a second that you know, us being released for a little over a year could get us to where we are right now and get us the recognition that we're getting right now and get us in, getting us on these tours and, and, you know, pulling the crowds that we are pulling, not always, but sometimes, yeah. you know, um, but, and just like the numbers growing and, and everything, it's, it's all because of you guys all because of the fans and there's no and i know that's such a cliche thing to hear because it's like you hear that at every concert like the vocalist is all if it wasn't for you guys <laughs> we wouldn't be here wouldn't be anything. <laughs> but it's so fucking true you know and it's it's like we wouldn't though like if these people weren't sharing it to their friends and and saving it to their playlists and showing it to their moms and their grandmas <laughs> whatever, you know, their sisters, cousins, uncles, whatever, significant others. Like if, if that wasn't happening, it, we would, we'd be stagnant. And so literally there's, all we can do is try to release the best material that we can. And I feel like we're doing what we can. And I feel like it's only going to get better. And, um, I'm excited for anyone who's hopped on board that, uh, gives us good feedback, even bad feedback. You know what? Give it to me, yeah. please. You know what I mean? Like, I just, 
it doesn't hurt me like that, you know, like to hear the bad feedback. I kind of laugh and I'm like, okay, good point. Good point. I'll, I'll take that at the heart, you know, whatever. It really doesn't matter. Uh, any, any feedback to me is good feedback. And I appreciate anyone who has even just laid eyes or laid ears on us in the past year and a half. Um, and yeah, I mean, just overall, thank you. Awesome. All right. Travis from Everest, thank you for coming on. You're awesome, man. Thank you. Man, that was such a great interview. Uh, Travis from Everest, badass dude. You know, Everest has a lot of things going for them, and I think they're going to go places, man. They have a great sound, infusing, you know, a lot of different sounds together. I and, agree, man. They're, they're great. Yeah, and next week, be sure to tune in because we have a rapper coming on, uh, switching it up a little bit, you know. So, Also, don't forget to like and subscribe to us and follow us on all social media platforms like Instagram. You can find us at music junkies pod find us on facebook and youtube awesome man all right you guys have a good day hope you guys have a great week uh stay safe wash your hands and uh buy toilet paper yeah buy toilet paper later on music junkies peace out